Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to Brushback Sports, the podcast. We are now on to episode number five. I am joined, as always, with my co-hosts, Thaddeus Johnson and Jamestown. Thad, how are we doing out there? Doing fantastic, man. Like I said, we have the draft, had the draft this past week, had the Jordan documentary. We almost have too many topics to talk about. It's nice that uh, in the sports world, we kind of finally have some action going on. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Uh, Thad, I have some exciting news for you. For the first time in Brushback Sports history, we have a sponsor. Let's go. That's big time. We have a sponsor. So at this point, I'm going to go ahead and read said sponsor, Reed, to get us kicked off. Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Well, guys, Brushback Sports is proudly sponsored by Wellness for Life. Would you like to create a lifetime of wellness? Of course you would. However, most of us have no idea how to make changes that we can live with to help us have more energy, sleep better, and maintain a healthy immune system. Wellness for Life is offering a free personalized health assessment. If you're interested and want to check that out, send an email to nancy at nancyrichjohnson at gmail.com to receive your free health assessment today. So super excited to have them on board. Uh, we thank them for their sponsorship. Uh, so yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump into episode number five here. We're really excited tonight to have in our very good friend, and elder elder brother, senior staff member at St. Bonaventure University, Seth Johnson. Let's hear it for Seth, huh? Oh yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Thank thanks you. for hopping on, man. It. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's been a long time coming, it and uh, I'm I'm uh, glad I finally made the cut. I appreciate it. Yeah, so after we've, so Thad and I did a few episodes last year. This is the fifth episode this season, and so since the start of this, mm-hmm. Seth has been. Uh, really, really wanting to get on here. So we're really excited that we finally made it happen. It was just a scheduling thing. You know, we had a lot of guests that were lined up, so we had to, you know, take care of that. But we're really excited to have Seth on tonight. So, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Well, I think what happened was I finally reached out to Verizon uh, last week, and I told them that there were uh, these invitation texts for this podcast was not coming through. Right. And uh, they said they fixed it. So I, I don't think – so I don't blame you guys. I don't blame you at all. I – I, I think it was just a technical error, and uh, we're we're on board. So uh, no no worries. Good good yeah. We're, uh, I'm glad we got that all figured out. All right. To be honest, it's it's tough to make the cut when you have Greg Vorce and then Donnie Darts on. I mean, those are two A listers. It's tough to get above them. To be honest, that's but, true. Yeah. yeah, you're batting you're batting third. There's nothing wrong with that. Drive those guys in. RBI time, baby. Yeah, those are. Yeah, those are just table setters. All right. I, I, I like to feel that I, I'm a, a bases clearing hitter here. All right, there we go. Absolutely. Well, hey, the great. Ba- yeah, the bases are loaded, uh, and here we go. So, guys, obviously, we just had the first uh, virtual NFL draft that wrapped up uh, last week. First of all, before we get into like picks and things like that, what did you guys think of just the format and you know just how it went down? Obviously, all being virtual. Uh, Roger Goodell is very awkward. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was. I thought it was really good. I thought yeah. it was fun to like see um, the prospects with with their families and stuff. I always never understood why people always want to go to the draft party. I thought it was cool to always see them kind of home with their families, and it went smoothly. Honestly, I mean the viewership was uh, was insane. Obviously, that was like the only thing going on. Right. But for the most part, there wasn't really too many um, things that really got messed up or anything. I know a lot of franchises and GMs were worried about getting hacked and stuff like that. Right. It seemed like it went. Uh, pretty smoothly for the most part. Seth, what did you think? Yeah, I thought that it was it was very impressive with how they pulled it off. And yeah. I know it's the NFL and ESPN, and you know they've got money galore. And if anyone can pull off something like that, they can. Um, but 
it was it was very seamless. Yeah. And uh, I thought the production was was very, very impressive. I thought it was great how you saw coaches and GMs. You, you saw a little bit of their home life, having their kids on there, um, you know, not in suits and ties, but a little bit more relaxed. And I think it humanized them a little bit. And when I think the NFL has always been criticized for that a, a little bit, uh, not, you know, being a little bit too buttoned up sometimes, not yeah. having as much fun as other leagues. So. I think that was a big win for them, being able to show some of those other guys in a different light. And uh, I think it'll benefit them going forward. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Someone who was not having a lot of fun towards the end of the first round was Roger Goodell. He looked uninterested by about the time they rolled around to pick number 20. The guy started off in a full suit, and by pick 25, he was leaning back in a chair in a sweater and jeans. I don't, know when, I, don't know, I don't know when he changed or what happened, but that was that was hilarious to me. Yeah. He went Mr. He went Mr. Rogers on everybody. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah, super I think funny. One of the best part, I think one of the best parts of the draft is just when they um, would go and like show like action shots of just GMs and coaches just sitting there. Yeah. And like on their computer. Uh, yeah. I, th- I thought that was electric. I thought that was electric. Who was your who was your favorite your favorite house or like your favorite setup that you saw like either GM head coach which was your favorite? I mean, is Cliff Kingsbury is he a, is he an NFL coach or is he like? a secret agent or something like that. Cause his yeah. house, his setup is amazing. Yeah. His pad was pretty like, sweet. I, I mean, that kind of, that, that, that kind of got things going. Even, um, even Tennessee Titans, that was kind of a wild scene there with, uh, <laughs> with their head coach and his two sons and kind of yeah. everything going on there dressed up in suits. And that was crazy. Yeah. Was, yeah. I thought Zimmer's yeah, was great. <laughs> Zimmer's was great out in Minnesota. Like he was sitting in like this giant chair with this huge fireplace and yeah. like, a big moose head. Like that was the most Minnesota thing ever. So I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Had the design on like the fireplace too was just like Ridge Canyon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he went all out. I think Kingsbury is a little bit of a. That's a little bit cheating though. I mean, that's his house. Like they didn't actually show his setup very much. Uh, it was basically him just sitting on a couch and with that great view of his backyard. Yeah, uh, that is obviously impressive. Yeah. But, uh, but how about let's how about you talk about the Bills not getting any love and not getting any live shots? They're the only ones. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't even notice that, but yeah, why was that? What did they say? Yeah. Why? I I don't know. I don't know if they didn't uh, talk about uh, the the pick as much, um, or if they were just on other topics. But they didn't seem to go there, or I don't know. It's just another uh, it's another thing that uh, Buffalo fans can use as put a chip on their shoulder <laughs> and uh, use next year. Yeah, Buffalo versus the world. Yeah, Buffalo versus that's everybody. Right. I saw. I did see a lot of complaints. They were like, "Hey, yeah, we would like to see our GM and coach every once in a while too. That'd be fun." Yeah, I didn't, really, I didn't really notice that. It's funny you bring that up because I figured it was just cause, like I watched most of the first round. I didn't, I didn't watch a lot like live the second and third. I figured it was just because their pick was so late. You know, and that maybe they just weren't doing as many check-ins, but that's interesting that they didn't. They never cut to cut to Bean or those guys at all. Blame Roger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely blame Roger. Jamestown native. It's too bad. I thought he'd give him some yeah. love to his Western New York team. You know, yeah, it's too bad. I heard he's a little bit scared. I heard he's scared to come back because uh, Bruce used to shove that guy in the lockers <laughs> in high school. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I thought, I mean, just with the NFL draft, I think like you guys said, it went off pretty seamlessly. And for the technological feat that it was, I think they had almost 140 uh, live feeds at different players and things like that and different GMs. So like with all those moving parts, I think they've got to be pretty thrilled. And obviously the numbers show it, like you said, that was pretty much the only show in town, but the, the viewership was through the roof too. So once again, the NFL finds a way to kind of capitalize on an otherwise tough situation so kudos to them but you know it was nice to have a little sense of normalcy 
just with the draft and everything like that, with everything else being canceled. So I think all in all, I think it was good. You know, it gave some people something to watch and obviously gives us stuff to talk about now. So kind of jumping in now, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about uh, just how that went down. So what were your guys' thoughts on mainly that first round and kind of how that shook out? Um, I think the first quite a few picks, at least the first top 10 picks were pretty much chalk. You know, there wasn't really a lot of excitement. Um, and a lot of, and I was really, I was kind of expecting some trades at the, you know, at the top, top end of the draft. There's right. usually, uh, those teams move up to get that quarterback, but you know, there wasn't a lot of movement. Everyone kind of stayed put. And a lot of the time those kind of knew where a lot of those guys were going. Um, it didn't really get interesting until a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with those position guys with all the wide receivers and stuff like that kind of moving, but I was really impressed with Miami being able yeah. to one successfully tank for Tua yep. and then able to hold on to all three of their first round or yeah, all three of their first round draft picks and be able to surround him with even more talent. So yeah, I think I, I, I was really impressed with the dolphins. That had to been tough to just not really know if someone going to jump you, if someone going to jump you and take Tua, or right. like in a lot of years too, those quarterbacks go boom, 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 right off the board. And so then be able to stay put kind of stick to their plan. And then, Having it work out, that's that's a win for the Dolphins. Yeah, Seth, what were your thoughts on that first round? Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with the top 10 just because I was expecting, you know, the first two picks go off the board, and that's when, you know, you kind of knew where those they were going. Uh, when you got to number three, I, I thought that either somebody would try to jump the Dolphins and move up there, or the Dolphins would, like Bad said, move up to try to make sure that no one could jump them. I actually give them credit that they, I don't know if they knew something or, or had some insight into it, that they were comfortable staying at five, that he wasn't going to be picked before him because they had to get him. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody else. I mean, they had to get him, And that was, that's been their target. Like that said for two years. Um, yep. So uh, I, I was a little disappointed because you, you know, fireworks and a little in chaos is fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, to be honest, it was as close as we've gotten to live sports over the last uh, six weeks. So, yep. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever been more excited for a draft than I was for that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, it's one point like to, uh, I think it's one where his hip injury kind of played into the favor of the dolphins too. You know, I think a lot of yeah. people are a little bit concerned about him and not being able to have him checked out by their team doctors and things like that. Um, almost made it like he wasn't going to get picked any higher than the dolphins. So I think it worked to their advantage. Like you said, that being able to hang on to all three of their first round draft picks. With that being said, who would you say, uh, was your draft winner and draft loser? Um, winner. I'll go, I'll start with loser first. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's losers, always more fun. <laughs> dude, I have to go. It's got to either be Philadelphia or Green Bay. Yeah, hey, I mean, both of the, both those teams are kind of losers mm-hmm. uh, with the draft. Because I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you have to be so frustrated. Yeah, you know, you come off a 13 and three season, and you're doing it with not a lot of talent. And he's never done it with a lot of talent. They right. haven't drafted a running back or a wide receiver during his whole career there. He's thrown one touchdown pass to a first-round draft pick. I mean, Peyton Manning threw about, I think, 273 to first-round draft picks. Yeah. Even Tom Brady, who everyone says is never surrounded, has thrown 105 touchdown passes to first-round draft picks. Yeah. So, And that's not everything, but it's just they don't really sign top free agents. They never, they've never given them amazing defenses. So if I'm him, I'm almost just like I'm kind of done with the situation. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm very interested to see – how that situation plays out up there. And so they're kind of, you know, the draft losers, they, um, they traded up for Jordan love too. Right? Yeah. you know, gave up some later picks that they could even surround Rogers with. And then they got a Boston college running back who a lot of scouts were high on and AJ Dillon. But I mean, a lot of time, a lot, 
people who kind of had Moss ranked a lot higher than him, and he went around later. So yeah. I just don't think they got good value. Obviously, it didn't help. Their first round pick is going to be um, probably not going to help them for three years. Yeah. Because yep. they're probably hoping for Rodgers for the next two, and then they can get out of his contract. And so that's, I think that's a whole mess up there. Yeah. So that'll be fun to see how they play. Who are you, um, who'd your winner I think be? The, Dolphins. I yeah. think it's definitely yep. the Dolphins. You can't go. You can't go. Uh, Cincinnati. Obviously, getting the first pick in. That's Burrow, too that's, easy. That's yeah. Obviously, nice. And then I love what they did in the second round too. But I think when you have that much um, draft capital and just kind of the the cap space, and they're able to hold on to all those those draft picks, that's that's such a win for them. And they've yeah. been planning to draft two for the last year or two. Right. Yeah. And it, and it worked out. And they're able to get them at five. So. Yeah. So all th- their plans, all the all the things that went through was was good. Yeah. Seth, how about you? Winners and losers of the draft. Uh, I think the losers. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the easy pick is the um, is the Packers yeah. uh, with what they did. Uh, it's now you, you can't argue. You, you do have to bring in into context the fact of uh, what they do with Aaron Rodgers. That right. They did the same exact thing with Brett Favre. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to work out pretty well for them. Uh, that uh, he's turned out to be an okay QB for him. So I guess in that sense, you have to almost give him the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, it sends the message to Rodgers that, uh, you know, they're not looking to win next year, even though they were one game away from the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Um, I think I think another team is is the Bears. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what they were doing. I think they said after they uh, they they drafted uh, Cole Komet that uh, they have ten tight ends on the uh, on the roster right now. So uh, it seems it seems like a uh, it, it's. Uh, it's obviously a position that's become more popular uh, in the NFL as of late, but uh, last time I checked, there are not 10 spots on the field. Um, so a little bit of interesting what they did uh, as for the winners, um, obviously the dolphins, but I'll go in a little bit of a different direction than that and go the dolphins fans. Yeah, because how great, how great is it when, you know, on the first night of the draft looking forward to it. And then I'm like, you know, it would really be cool if the Bills actually had a pick tonight. Yeah. Um, and then all I see is the Dolphins up and then Dolphins up again yeah. and the Dolphins up again. And I was like, you know what? I never wished that I was a Dolphins fan more than I did tonight. Not when we start playing games, right. obviously, but on that night only, I did kind of wish I was a Dolphins fan. Yeah. Yeah. So with the Dolphins, obviously that makes the AFC East a little bit, you know, interesting with them. And you don't know how that's going to play out with so many new pieces, but um, now that we've gone through the draft, how do you guys kind of see that AFC East playing out now, you know, with the teams that did what they were able to do in the draft? There's a lot in the up in the air in that division. Yeah. Obviously, we've talked about the last probably four episodes about, you know, Brady leaving, what's up with um, the Patriots. Right. Looks like they are going to, you know, roll with Stidham. Um, Andy Dalton got released today. Right. He's kind of the only guy that I think they might, uh, veteran guy that they might bring in. Um, but the Bills have to be the favorite right now, for yeah. sure. They have the most—they're they're the most talented, have the most deep roster uh, in the division. But then the Dolphins and the Jets are are big question mark, and they could have a lot of upside. Like yeah. they could surprise a lot of um, a lot of people, um, especially with Darnold. And when they're finally surrounding him with talent, like you said, he's been beat up with a terrible offensive line. So they reassured that with the first pick, and then they they got some talent wide receiver and Denzel Mims with the second pick. Yep, and then. And I think we talked about the Dolphins could be scary with how much um, how much cap space they have, and then all their draft picks, and obviously landing their franchise quarterback, and they think their franchise left tackle 
it could be scary. That could be a quick turnaround. But I think uh, but this year it's going to be the Bills are the favorites. They have to win the division. Yeah. And I think it goes I think it goes Miami, Jets, Patriots. I really do. I don't right. I just don't see the Patriots as much as you see them always doing well when you just break down the roster, it's just not very good. Yeah. So I came to the conclusion that they, they're probably the worst have the worst roster in the division right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one to watch. Obviously, with so many new pieces, and obviously with Brady leaving, it kind of it's it's been so long since there's been almost like an openness to it. You know, you kind of pretty much knew who was gonna win it, and then it was a wild card for the rest of them. So, um, with him gone, it's really kind of a wide open race. Like you said, it's kind of the Bills to lose, I think, at this point, just with the talent that they have. So that'll be that'll be interesting to to see how that plays out. Seth, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's gonna be interesting with the Bills because you know everyone's kind of picking them as the favorite. Yeah. But- the Bills have been the underdogs in that division for 20 years now. Right. And it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. You know, sometimes playing, you know, being the hunted is a lot uh, tougher than being the hunter. And so we'll see how they deal with that pressure, especially still with a young quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think the Jets are more of a threat uh, in that division than the Dolphins this year. Yeah. Uh, not going forward in years two and three, but when you do have Darnold, uh, who's got, uh, you know, some experience under his belt, um, you do have, um, you do have you know, running back that is, you know, one of the best in the league and yep. now has an offensive line. Cause it wasn't just Darnold who, who was uh, really hindered by that offensive line. It was the running game also. Yeah. Um, and, and so to be able to shore that up a little bit, uh, I think you're going to see, uh, I think you're going to see them be much improved next year. Yeah. Um, obviously the Patriots are still the Patriots. They still have Bill Belichick. I think they're still going to win some games and, uh, and, and he's going to be able to do some things that, uh, uh, you know, look what they did with Matt Castle when, when, um, Brady was out. Yeah, so that's a good point. I, 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 I don't, I don't think you can write them off at all, but, uh, yeah, this is, it's, it's there for the bills to take and, We'll see if they can go out and do it. And you have to remember that Tua, there's no guarantee that he's going to even play the be- at the beginning of this year. Right. Um, you know, he, he could be out for the first couple of weeks too. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's a lot up in the air. But, yeah, if you're a Bills fan, this, if you've ever decided that this was the time to be the Bills fan, this is probably the year to do it. It's a good time, yeah. I think, I think going back to what you said about the Jets, I think the Jets' biggest issue right now is that they still have Adam Gase as their head coach. I think that's the thing that's going to hold them back the most outside of just like the talent they have, just because that guy's still going to be calling I, plays. So you never know what's going to happen I, up there. I did, I did forget about that. And that yeah. was actually a great move. The, Dol- <laughs> the Dolphins got rid of him and then the Jets picked him up. So yep. uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, for- I did forget about Adam Gase. Never mind. Yeah. I think everything I just set off the yeah. table. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think never forget. Yeah, never forget <laughs> that. Never, I was saying never forget Adam Gase just change or just making Peyton Manning when he went to the Broncos because that was like the big thing with Adam Gase is like the quarterback whisperer or whatever. But he's like he got Peyton Manning with the Broncos and that was kind of his biggest season. Yeah, but yeah, they, he, yeah, because yeah, because Peyton Manning didn't have any type of track record going into yeah. being a Bronco. He didn't really you know, need, he hadn't he, done anything. He didn't really before. need to be whispered to. I don't think needed, at that point. Yeah, he needed to get with Gase to get that second Super Bowl. He had to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that AFC East, it'll be interesting. So really looking forward to the fall, hopefully, if the season starts on time, just to seeing how all that stuff shakes out. So um, obviously talking about the Bills, um, seeing what they did, obviously didn't have a first-round pick like Seth alluded to earlier, Um, did have that 54th pick, take the running back. Um, Fed, what were your thoughts on that pick and then just kind of what the Bills were able to do um, as a whole? Yeah, Bean is – he's amazing. I'm very impressed with what he's been able to do with one – uh, taken over from Doug Whaley and kind of the mess that he left him, three like year, con- three, bad contracts. Yeah, you know, not not a lot of draft capital and stuff three like year, that. Three year anniversary, I think today 
when they fired uh, Doug Whaley. Moment of silence for Doug Whaley. Yeah. All right, Thank that's you. all we need. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but no, I loved what they what they did. Like, so they used the first round pick. You're gonna use first round pick. It's it's obviously Stephon Diggs. So that's great. Um, you have an established right. receiver, which they kind of needed. They've never, they haven't had a number one receiver really since probably like Eric Molds. Like, I mean, I don't know if Sammy Watkins was really even a number one. What about really Calvin Benjamin? You're right. Huh? He was a, now he was a tight end when he was with That's the Bills. He was like over 250, so he's considered a tight end. Yeah. But I, I love what they did. Coming into the offseason, they had three they had three uh, holes. You know, and they had wide receiver, needed number one receiver. He just sure up the D end with Jerry Hughes, and um, they signed they signed Addison, but they kind of need to get a little bit younger in D end. Yep. And then they need another complementary to um, uh, to Singletary in the backfield, and they did that with uh, with Moss in the third. So yep. um, even in the second round. Um, they had the 54th pick, and I know a lot of people wanted offense with that pick because yeah. Dobbins was on the board. Yep. But a lot, no one expected Epinesa to be there. You know, he was a first round talent. If you look at a lot of those mocks and stuff like that, he had a lot of times he was going top 25. And so he's not a flashy player, but he's, I think he's going to really come in, fit, fit in with the, with the culture and everything like that. And so value, and you always value DN over running back too. Yeah. You know, you can get, you can find more, there's more talented running backs later. Not as many talented DNs, especially in this draft. Yeah. So I love how they went about it. Got the wide receiver with the trade, second pick going DN, and third pick getting Zach Moss out of Utah, who's just been super productive. You know, he's their all-time leading rusher, um, and it's kind of just digging deeper into him as a prospect. He's he has a lot of stats of just making guys miss, running hard, and I just think his running style is going to be great to complement Singletary. So, and then in the, a little bit later too, they finally added big bodied receivers. That was yeah. kind of a big yep. thing that I always, that I never, the bills never do. And then they, they added uh, Gabriel Davis um, and Hodgins out of Oregon state. And they're both six, three, six, four and go up and get it. And they had over a thousand yards and over 10 touchdowns each this past year. So very productive and getting them a little bit later and get some size in the wide receivers. So yeah, absolutely love what they did. They filled all their needs. They did a great job the free agency and kind of leading that into to the draft and then filling those needs of those first three picks and I get some depth. So yeah, pretty much all up to Allen, man. He has all the weapons he needs. They, and the roster's deep. I really, I really like, like what, uh, what Bean did. Yeah. I think I like the way he goes about it too. Cause I think a lot of times people try to overthink it and try to be a little bit too cute with the draft. And I think, you know, the way Bean and, and uh, McDermott have gone about it is like, what, what do we need? And let's go out and get it. You know, it's not, it, it, it sounds simple, but I think a lot of times yeah. people try to well, overcomplicate things. And it doesn't yeah. need to be. Well, even you know? with, that, with that second pick, too, they were able to fill a need and take the best player available. Right. So that yep. was, it was kind of almost a no-brainer pick with that 54th overall pick. Yeah. Seth, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's interesting what Thad just made, alluded to, saying, you know, how you always pick a defensive end over a running back, and that's – that's a switch over yeah. the last 10 years in the NFL. I mean, you, before you always looked at skill position, you're looking at wide receiver quarterback running back as your skill position. And now you're looking at, you know, all right, let's get the defensive end now because we can find a running back later in the draft, which is, you know, it's, it's interesting how that's changed. Yeah. Um, I, I think FNS, he's a, he's a Buffalo guy. He's an Iowa kid. Yeah. You know, those Iowa, Iowa farm boys, yeah. you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, like those, those are our people. Right. And, uh, and he's going to fit. Yeah. He'll fit right in and he's, exactly what they're looking for in the culture of the locker room. Uh, like that said with, with Zach Moss, the running back, he seems to be a little bit more of a bruiser uh, that can really complement Singletary. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't know a lot about Gabriel Davis, uh, uh, but though I think the one, um, the one pick that I really liked uh, was Jake Fromm. 
Um, yeah. Okay. You know, okay. Allen is a big body, but we all know that he takes a lot of risks yeah. and, uh, you know, puts his body on the line. And I, from is, is somebody who can be a capable backup and will is extremely smart, a great guy, a great locker room guy. And, and, uh, I have been actually following him ever since the, he was on the QB one, uh, show, uh, when he was out of high school, uh, when they were uh, going through the whole recruiting process with him and, yeah. you know, seems like a great guy. And I'll tell you what, it's sometimes you, you get, uh, you, you, you have a, you kind of look at like arm strength and you look at all that stuff, all the flashy things. And, you know, these smart quarterbacks who can make decisions, people all look at that. He didn't have a great year at, at Georgia last year, but he didn't have anybody. And that was his third offensive coordinator, I believe in three years. And so, you know, there's some, there are some challenges there. And I think he'll, I, I think that was a, a pick that could really, could really pay off in the future. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. Cause I want, I wanted to get your guys thoughts on them taking that quarterback um, Thad, what, what did you think about that pick taking Jake Fromm out of, out of Georgia? No, I loved it. Yeah. I think, um, cause they, they don't really have a lot of depth there. I know, um, Barkley's kind of living off that one game against the jets or the bears where he kind of lit them up. Yeah. But I think if you can just continue to bring in more depth, more talent, um, it's the worst when your best players don't have anyone behind them that's pushing them. Uh, if you just kind of raise that talent level, that competition, that obviously makes everyone better. So I think that's, and I think he's going to be able to, like Seth was saying, he's going to—he's a very capable backup. But obviously, don't draft that guy high because of maybe his—you know—he doesn't really have the tool set. Right. But I mean, getting him in the fifth round with that value for a guy that's played that much in the SEC, yeah. I think is 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 a great pick. I, and like when Bean kind of talked about that after, he's like, we didn't really think he was going to be there. That was a good value pick. He was the best player we had on the board, and they took him. So I think. Again, just add in depth everywhere. Yeah. I, I really liked what they did there. Does that do you, do, do you think that sends any type of message to Allen? No, I don't not at all. Yeah. You know, I didn't think you have to you have to like kind of keep adding depth, keep getting better wherever you can. And I mean they have Matt Barkley there. They have to kind of get a little bit younger just in case Allen does get down. Like Seth was saying, kind of a running quarterback a little bit right now. You'd like him to beat you a little bit more from the pocket, but he is he is pretty elusive with his legs and he likes to use them. So yeah. Oh, if we can just keep that in depth, that's huge. Yeah. Also, did you see Jake Fromm in the Little League World Series? Very sweet swing. Stud. And that's dude, that's it's impressive. He put up some numbers during that during that series. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, it was tough to see that they officially canceled that event today too, which kind of sucks. I always look forward to watching that over the summer. So that's another thing that's gone by the wayside because of the COVID nineteen outbreak too. Seth, you were going to say something. I kind of interrupted you there. What did you got? Yeah. I'm sorry. The uh, the other thing about Jake Fromm is that you have to remember that there were two uh, number one recruited quarterbacks in the country who he beat out yeah. in that transfer yeah. it because of it, he, he kept his job at Georgia. So, and, and one of them's, you know, slated to be a top five pick in the, in the draft next year. So he can beat yeah. those guys yeah. out and they think he's a better option um, at Georgia, you know, being a pure pocket passer. And yep. when college is, is, you know, there's a lot of running quarterbacks and a lot of spread in, in the uh, college game. I think that that says a lot, but how about possibly with that swing, uh, Jake from to the Mets, the Mets seem to like uh, quarterbacks, <laughs> yeah, former quarterbacks yeah. uh, to, uh, to turn into to baseball players. So who knows? Maybe we'll see them in the, the blue and orange. Yeah. Love that. That would be great. I want to get one, one more quick little thing on the, on the draft, uh, just on the quarterbacks. What, what did you guys think about? Um, we kind of touched on the Eagles a little bit, but they drafted Jalen hurts in the second round. 
shortly after they just locked up Wentz for close to $100 million. What did you guys make of that pick? I didn't really understand the pick there. Like, I yeah. totally get um, the thinking, obviously, you know, with, with Wentz has been injury prone. you got to have, again, a capable backup. And you saw what they could do when he went down and just pulled Bill to step in. Right. But you're, you never hoped that would ever happen. And especially since they just locked him up for the next, like, four or five years, they're going to kind of have to roll with him. Guys don't get in the second round, especially yeah. when they're kind of in win-now mode, right? They have their franchise quarterback. Yeah. Now they just need to surround with more weapons because last year was tough, especially when you have, you know, Aguilar dropping everything over there. Yeah. But that was kind of a team. I, they're, they're definitely one of the draft losers to me. And it's not even just because the second-round pick, even the first-round pick, too. I didn't really like how they went with Jalen Rieger out of TCU, wide receiver, when Justin Jefferson was still on the board, T. Higgins was on the board, Michael Pittman was on the board. And I was just kind of, I just thought all those guys were a little bit were, were better than him. And so I was surprised by them taking him there and then them coming back right around and taking Hertz, which if you actually break that down, it's one of the dumbest things to do all the <laughs> time is drafting a quarterback in the second round because right. you don't get that fifth year option. If he turns out to be really good, you don't get that fifth year option. So right. you either just draft him late in the first round or you just take flyers on guys later, you know? And so they're kind of looking for a capable backup and a guy that, I mean, I just think that, Brom is unbelievable value in round five than taking, you know, a backup with Hertz in round two. I just don't understand that. And long-term you just, he shouldn't play for you. You hope he doesn't play for you. And so, I don't know, I guess you're just expecting Wentz to get hurt, but I just, I don't know. I, Injury factor is always there. I just, yeah. I just don't think you spend a second round draft pick on a guy like that. Yeah, I, yeah, especially like, when you have your franchise quarterback. Yeah, like you said, that's like that's a that's a Doug Whaley pick there. You know, that's like where where you you spend <laughs> yep. that pick later on when you get your backup and stuff. Because like you said, you never want to plan. You almost never want to plan for him to get hurt. I mean, you got to prepare for it. But yeah, I don't understand that as a second round pick, especially like a guy like that. So yeah, I don't know, Seth. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a little bit of a Tim Tebow effect. Um, yeah. where, you know, you, you, when you saw Tim Tebow going late in the first round that year and, you know, the talent level didn't, didn't really dictate that he should be taken there, but people fell in love with his competitiveness. They yeah. fell in love with, you know, how much the locker room guy he was and how much uh, of a leader he was. Um, and people love Jalen Hurts with how he handled the Alabama situation with yeah. Tua. Um, you know, how he waited to transfer, didn't just bail right away. How he won the job at Oklahoma. Um, but I do remember when they were, when he was named the starter at Oklahoma, that you know that they said that he, it, it was a close battle. Like it wasn't a foregone conclusion that he was going to win that. Um, but I think it was a little bit of a Tim Tebow effect. But yeah. I, you know, yeah, you don't have that fifth year by drafting him in the second round. But I don't think they're looking. They're viewing him as a quarterback. Yes, he's a capable backup, is what they're going to view him as. But obviously, they're going to use him in other areas. And so I don't think they're really looking at him as strictly a quarterback. And that's probably why, you know, they didn't mind taking him in the second round without that pick year option. So, um, but you have to remember that, you know, value is always an important thing that people always go back to is, is how much value are you getting? I understand that, but two years down the road, people don't understand. They don't, they're not worried about where you were picked. They're just worried about how productive you are. And who knows it could turn out that they might have, they must have some. They must have a plan for him already to take him where they did. Yeah. They must have plans, and they must know how they want to use him. And hey, you know, you say that it's a very Eagles pick. Well, Eagles were your Super Bowl champions just a couple of years ago right. with a backup. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not like, right. 
it's not <laughs> like they've done it's not like they haven't been successful lately so yeah. you know i kind of give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt you wonder if it's kind of a situation like uh with the saints how they have is it Taysom hill Yep. Like he's like, you know, yep. he's, he's just like a pure athlete and they use him a bunch of different ways. You wonder if, you know, with, with Peterson there, they kind of have something in mind to use Jalen hurts there. Cause like you said, they must have some sort of plan or an idea oh. of how they want to utilize him. So I wonder if there's some thinking along those lines too. Hey, let's bring Pat hey, White back too. Let's bring Pat White back. With Wildcat. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. Let's draft guys in the second. I, that's like, I get that. But just, that's like, you're going to for 10 plays a game, you know, right. like, yeah. you know, yeah. if it works, I just, yeah, I'm not saying it was it a good. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it's a good move. I'm just saying like they've got to have some sort of thought, like Seth said. But speaking of the Saints, I did see yeah. a stat the other day which I thought was great. So don't say J- it. I know what you're gonna say. Don't bash Jameis. No, I have to. So I don't know if Seth has heard uh. this. So Jameis Winston just signed with the Saints, and he has more completions mm-hmm. to Saints receivers than mm-hmm. Hill does, who is their current backup quarterback. Hill has yeah, completed Jameis seven. Had 10. Yeah, Jameis has 10 completions to Saints receivers as the Buccaneers quarterback, and Hill has seven completions to Saints receivers as the Saints backup, which I thought was wild. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, you, you're you you're mentioning Taysom Hill and the Saints, but they just locked him up for two years and with a guaranteed $16 million contract. Oh, no, so he's they, doing they fine. Obviously value him. Yeah, he's doing they fine. They obviously value him. So, yeah, but- hey, Tad, one other question I had from you that you didn't touch on, um, with the Bills draft, no tight ends. I, I, I mean, I feel with a young quarterback and obviously Allen uh, having, you know, kind of that safety valve of a tight end. And I know it wasn't a deep tight end class, but I, I was kind of hoping they went tight end at da- some point. And how do you Knox. feel about them not doing that? Dawson Knox. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I do. I do love tight ends, to be honest. Like, I think they haven't really had a big go-to guy there, too, along with, like, a big wide receiver. They've never had a great option at tight end either, which I think has really hindered them in the past with with their red zone. And so I know we were talking about that on draft day, just like, will Komet, you know, fall a little bit lower? That was kind of that guy and the guy out of date, out of date and were the two guys, you know, that, that seemed like kind of separated themselves tight end, tight end wise, but you know, maybe they're thinking I would like them to maybe add add a tight end in a trade or, or something like that. But I bet you they're thinking maybe next year or something down the line down the line a little bit more. Um, wasn't really a need need they absolutely had to have. Like right. yeah, they're receiving tight end in Knox. Um, you know, if Croft can stay healthy, they have a big. You know, he's a big tight end with kind of some upside. But again, yeah, they they probably have the, they think they have their guy with with Knox and they can probably fill that hole pretty easily. He might be the best best Bills tight end since Jay Reimersma. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good name drop right there. Right. All right. I, guys, I, was a I got stud. a stat. Yeah, I got a stat for you. Okay? Yeah. All right. So Jameis Winston. I'm tired of all this slander <laughs> I'm against not, him. No, he's, <laughs> he's incredible. He's all a right? good. Yeah. Right. Hey. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, led led the NFL in passing last year. People forget that. But yeah. okay. On and interceptions. Grass, right. Hey, on grass. Jameis Winston has 22 touchdowns, 27 interceptions, right? Okay. You put Jameis Winston on turf, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. Telling you, get him, get him on turf. Guy's going to be electric MVP (laughs) future of the Saints. That's a great, that's a great stat. That's a good stat. Thank you. Is is there, is there any correlation between like sunny days and cloudy days or if they play like afternoon or night games? Uh, just a second. I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) I think that's taken care of in a dome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah. No, I know you're a big fan of Wince of, of Jameis. I am too. I like, I, like you said, led the league in touchdowns and interceptions. He just unfortunately threw like 35 picks, which you just can't. Dude, have. I was looking. <laughs> I was looking at Brett Favre stats today, right? And um, in 05, it was the year. It was they drafted Rodgers that draft, and then that following season, <laughs> Brett Favre goes out and throws throws 20. I mean, it was 22 touchdowns, 29 interceptions. Oof. 29 interceptions. So he did not respond well. (laughs) Did not respond well. Then the next year after that, they went four and 12 that year. And then the year after that, he threw, he threw 20 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Here's like, Hey, do you, do you want to see a ball control offense or do you want to see some excitement? Now there's going to be a lot of touchdowns and a lot of interceptions. You, you can't say that when you watch Jameis Winston uh, play that you were bored. Because oh. you're on the edge of the seat because you you never knew where was, the ball was going. He didn't know where the ball was going. <laughs> That's right. But there was a lot of excitement. So it, it, no one came out. I mean, obviously, sometimes the fans were disappointed with all the interceptions. But, you know, if you were just looking at it and you weren't a Buccaneers fan or their opponent's fan, you're just looking at it, it was he was exciting to watch. That was right. Yeah, it's I it's agree. absolutely it's absolutely electric when he's out there. One way or the other, it's yeah. absolutely electric. No, his – Dude, the best party in town is literally Jameis Winston's stat line because there's just so much going on. It's just wild. <laughs> yeah, he he played um he played the when they played the Titans last year down here. I think he had like three or four picks that game, and then and two of them there wasn't there wasn't a Buccaneers receiver within like 25 yards of the ball. Like he threw a couple that were just like he closed his eyes and just heaved it up there and was just hoping that someone might come down with it. That was before his it's- surgery. Before, before, the eye, before the eye surgery <laughs> his eyes are fine he can read stop signs he can read everything now like dude, now he can see linebackers is, is he calling plays at the line of scrimmage or who is who who is scripting these plays that they're so that they're not grinding it out on the ground that's what i don't understand it's arians he putting the ball in the air it's arians he, just, he, just arians. Air, he airs it out baby that is literally his saying is risk it for the biscuit let's do it and Davis responded in a big way. <laughs> he 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 definitely <laughs> risked it. <laughs> he did. He, he doesn't care. Yeah. He risk it whenever he wants. One other note on talking about kind of like veteran quarterbacks. Um, Andy Dalton, like you did say, Thad, he did get released this morning um, by Cincinnati. I think he requested to be released. Obviously, they drafted Joe Burrow. So waiting to see where he may end up. And then Cam Newton, obviously still out there too. So those are two kind of the, the two veteran quarterbacks that are still on the market to kind of see where those guys land. Do you guys have any, any idea now that the draft is over where you might see those guys sign on? And I am so lost with where Cam Newton is going to go. Right. Seth, any, like where, where, where do you think he might like land? I was thinking the bills as a tight end. Kind of love that. I it's, thought Josh Allen was a tight end because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of uh, scouts when he was coming out for the draft that wanted him to convert to tight end. Oh, and hey. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has a running back too. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Jake, if Jake Fromm turns out, you move Allen to tight end, and and all problems are solved. But no, as I, I don't know where. And I was just going to ask you. I mean, Cam. Uh, I, I think everyone can agree has a little bit of an ego. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if uh, how being a backup uh, would uh, settle with him. Yeah, uh, do you think he would even be willing to be a backup, or do you think that he would just not play this year? Yeah, I was talking to Dad about that yesterday. I, I don't think he plays. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so accept, either. Yeah, I don't think you accept the backup, and all those roles are filled right now. Like, there's really not a spot for him to land. And like you said, like who's going to bring him in? 
as a backup quarterback and kind of have all that drama and stuff like that. Cause you know, he's going to expect to start and yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, that's why, um, that's why the Chargers stayed away when they're like, we kind of want to groom, you know, Herbert, we have Tyrod as the kind of stop gap right now. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, even, I mean, the bears, like we talked about, that was probably the best um, option for him, but you know, they go with Foles Cause I think they don't want to quite give up on Trubisky. They're hoping Trubisky still wins that job. And if you bring Cam in, He's obviously just expected to be the starter right away. So I, I, I really do think he might take a year off, just get another year, a little bit more healthy. You can kind of, you know, especially with this past year with the whole COVID-19 and not be able to meet with teams and their doctors, I think really hurt them too. And so, yeah, I think another uh, next off season, there might be more, there's got to be more opportunities out there for him. It, it, if, we did, if we didn't have, if you had asked me three months ago and we didn't have these uh, issues with my phone and not receiving the invitations like we talked about, I would have said DC Defenders. DC Defenders would have been my landing spot for Cam Newton, but uh, no way. Obviously, now he's going to the obviously he's, now with the, he's going to the Rough Riders. It's not possible. He's going to the it's Rough not Riders possible gonna, now. He was not going to beat out Cardale Jones of the DC Defenders. Get real, <laughs> come on. Former, speaking of former Buffalo Bills quarterbacks, love that guy. Love twelve gauge. <laughs> What um do you got? What do you think about Andy Dalton? Do you think he's going to New England? That's the most logical landing spot, yeah. isn't it? Doesn't he seem like he kind of fits there? They they really value pretty much accuracy and like decision making for the most part. He's solid in both those aspects. Um, has been a great leader for for Cincinnati. He's done, he's honestly done a great job there. Yeah, they did. I thought they did really well with surrounding him with talent. They had some good. I think they made the playoffs five years during his tenure there. Yeah. And so he did a good job of kind of getting them out of, you know, the gutter. Yeah. But I, I would love to see him kind of, I really love to see him sign with the Patriots, but it'd be interesting to see him sign with the Patriots. I think that would be a good fit for him. And I think him and Belichick would kind of work well together. Would the Bills fans still be, would there still be love for Andy Dalton if he went to the Patriots? Absolutely. Though? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, there okay. would be. That's what I was just <laughs> saying. I was, I was thinking Andy Dalton as the Bills backup off. Oh. He would be absolutely beloved in, in Buffalo. He'd be but living. Frankly, you probably, you, it, it's kind of a joke, but you probably couldn't do that to Allen because he would be beloved yeah. for what he did for the fan base. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So definitely. Well, that was yeah. one of the more wild times when, uh, when Dalton walked them off when we got into the playoffs uh, in 2018. That, that was, was amazing. Awesome. That was amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, kind of switching gears here a little bit. Um, there's some news going around about the MLB possibly switching to three divisions that I know you're a really big fan of Manfred. And so I'm sure you love this move, but what were your thoughts <laughs> on going to, just a West, Central, and East division with 10 teams in each of those. What, what were your thoughts there? It's kind of awesome. I, I, I kind of want a little bit of mayhem because this whole season is going to be a little funky anyways. Yeah. And so I kind of it's, – it's going to be weird. So let's – hey, let's get weird. Huh? <laughs> so I kind of like the East, Central, West. Very curious of what they do with some of the rules of like DH and stuff like that. Right. But I think it's going to be fun with kind of getting those rivalries, everyone on the East Coast, Central, West Coast. I think it's going to be kind of fun, you know, getting the Yankees, Yankees Mets playing all the time, getting yeah. the White Sox Cubs playing all the time in the same division is kind of kind of intriguing. I want to see it happen, to be honest. Yeah. Seth, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we'll take anything at this point. Yeah. I don't know if you would award. You know, the, your usual, you know, nationally, I don't know, you couldn't do nationally American League champions. Obviously, do you award even a World Series trophy or do you kind of call it something different this year because yeah. of how crazy it is? But, uh, the COVID I mean, the, COVID the, the thing that's, <laughs> the thing it. that is always, the thing that has always hindered baseball, as we know, is they are just not very revolutionary. Yeah. Um, 
and they are always kind of stuck in their ways. Yeah, I know. And uh, I think something like this could really would really be a benefit for them. So yep. I hope they do something like that. I've also heard, you know, talking about possibly a, like a 60 game tournament with, you know, w- with with series between different teams and advancing in a bracket type format. Yeah. And, you know, something along those lines, I think, would be a lot of fun. And, yeah. you know, would it be traditional? No. Could you count the stats? Probably not. But I think it would be something that would be intriguing to the fan base and can really do a lot for a, a, a sport that is always being criticized for not being cutting edge when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying yeah, for absolutely. the last, I've been saying for the last three or four weeks, I would love to see, like you said, like a 60 or 70 game season, just because like the, like with the MLB, once you get to like June, July, August, kind of like those dog days, like those games just aren't very important. But if you did like a 60 game season, every single game you're playing, you know, is, is super important. So I think that'd be cool and yeah. good for the sport too. Like you said, just to get some excitement, something a little bit different and kind of uh, get people a little bit more excited about that season. So yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to oh. see what happens with them and a lot of other things too. I mean, it's, that's a good point with shortening the season because we've always talked about that, but they won't do it because of the stats and, exactly. yep. and you know, and how much they love that. But the, the NFL is, is so popular, but, Obviously, you can't do it because of the physicality, but from the NFL, if the NFL played 80 games, would every game be as popular as there are? Right. As they are. There's no way. Yeah. There's, there's no way there are. They are. It's because that it's it's very select. There's only eight home games a year. Yeah. That, that's why it's as popular as it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So, uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit here, um, NCAA will be granting athletes to use their likeness to profit from those, whether that's, you know, endorsements, third party things, stuff like that. Um, what, what do you think? What, one, what do you think of the move and how do you think this is going to impact college athletics more so probably on the recruiting side? Um, that I know that you were kind of talking about that as in you know, those bigger schools and those big cities will even have more of a pull now. Um, just kind of what were your thoughts when you saw that announced and your, your initial reaction? Well, they're about 10 years behind. Well, yeah. Good job, yeah. NCAA. Good job, NCAA. By the yeah. time you finally did it. I mean, it's when you actually just kind of break it down, it's pretty messed up that these guys are generating this much revenue and just seeing nothing of it. Right. And I've always been saying for the last five, 10 years, just like, how do they own your likeness? If you yeah. can go out and sign an autograph and make money, and it is worth something, somebody will pay you for it. How, can, how are you not allowed to do that? Right. I, I've never understood how they own your likeness and stuff like that. And so they're finally kind of starting to, to, to change. But they're, I think they just got pressure from from the G League, to be honest, because the G League's starting to pay players. And some right. of those, they're starting to lose some top um, you know, prospects to the G League, just going to the G League instead of going to college. And so they need to do something or they, they could start losing more and more of those guys. right? And there might be the G League is continuing to try to invest more money you know, in that and trying to build that up. But about time they finally did something because it, it really was getting ridiculous about them just kind of owning these players and them not being able to get anything out of it. Yeah. Seth, what are your thoughts as an employee of a, a higher education uh, place? Yeah, I mean, there was no way, uh, you know, talking from a mid-major perspective, yeah. you know, where, where I'm at, there's no way that you could actually pay players. Um, it, it's just not feasible. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this is the one way that they could do it. I just wish that the NCAA would make decisions before they were backed into a corner. Like that said, yeah. they're about 10 years too late. And, and that's just a disappointing part, especially when you're talking about what we're going through right now. And we're talking about, you know, 
collegiate athletics possibly collapsing right. if college football does not go this year because of the amount of money. Yep. Um, when you look at, you know, when you look at LSU making $65 million on, uh, on football and you always think basketball is a big money maker, but in comparison, they make about a million and a half, two and a half million on basketball. And there's that large of a gap or you look at, you know, Texas who makes, you know, almost a hundred, I think it was 120, $150 million in football alone per year. It, it's, I, I think it, it, it just makes it look even worse because yeah. basically the NCAA is saying, if we don't have football, there's a lot of college sports would end as we know it. Yep. And to yep. not actually reward these kids is unbelievable. And it's just crazy to think that if you're a, you're a music major at a school, and you're talented and people want to pay you to do lessons on the side, you're perfectly able to do that. But if you're a basketball player, baseball, football, you can't use your talents to do the same thing and get paid for it. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, as for the recruiting side, I think that this, it, it ends recruiting as we know it. Yeah. It's going to make everything crazy. People are going to, I mean, institutions are going to have people on their staff that their sole responsibility, you're going to have people that are going to are out there getting sponsorships um, for your school to make money, but there are going to now be people on staff that their sole responsibility is to go out and get sponsorships for the athletes yeah. and for potential recruits coming in, because you're going to have a kid come into North Carolina on a recruiting trip and they're going to sit down with the coach and they're going to sit down with, you know, with a, a, another guy on his staff and say, okay, you know, I've looked at Duke, you know, I've looked at NC state. I've looked at, at some of these other places and they've guaranteed and they've lined up, you know, $90,000 yeah. in sponsorships this, this next year. What can you do for me? Right. And that's, that's going to be a major part of the recruiting process that is going to hurt. Like you said, you know, rural schools yep. that don't have that, that opportunity. I mean, imagine a kid going out to LA and going yeah. to USC. Look at the opportunities out there compared to going to like Nebraska yeah. and Lincoln. I yeah. mean, it's, it, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, I think what it really does is it really makes it even there even more of a need for the power five schools to break off Yeah, and to kind of do their own thing. And I, I think that it's going to become a necessity because because of this move. Um, and the other move that's really making a big splash is that they think it's going to go through is the one-time transfer waiver where it's almost, it's basically free agency and yeah. that you could have a kid, you know, at a, at a mid-major school that proves himself and he can automatically, you know, why is, you know, why is Will Wade at LSU uh, not to pick on him because he's been uh, accused of being a little bit dirty lately, but, just you know, he needs a point guard. He needs a point guard. You know, are we going to go get an 18 year old kid or do we go and, Hey, there's this Kyle Lofton kid. Who's pretty good at St. Bonaventure with two years of experience. And he's a first team all conference kid. Why don't we go get him and yeah. have him run our offense. And, you know, almost, almost like when you hear a win now mentality, a lot of college programs are going to be able to take a win now mentality. And uh, I think it's going to hurt a lot of mid-major schools. So there's two major things outside of just the COVID-19 pandemic that are really reshaping college athletics and things are going to change in a way that, uh, that they're never going to go back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's I a think... great point. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, I, 
Yeah, I just I totally agree with just like you said when we were talking about different destinations. Like, imagine like the packages USC and some of those can just give these guys or even guarantee them with endorsement deals and stuff like that. Um, and just kind of the leverage these players might have going into the recruiting process too. I mean, let's say you know Zion goes back and does it again and is able to make able to make money off his name. Um, you just you could just imagine him meeting with those coaches like Seth said and just what what can you offer me? Right. You know, and that's. It's it is kind of I never really thought about it like that of just with the free agency right you kind of see it with um, with the NCAA this past year even with the Final Four with three out of the four quarterbacks being transfers right with yep. Joe Burrow um, Justin Fields and then Jalen Hurts yep right and though you know with Joe Burrow wouldn't be the first overall pick if you know he went to school five years ago right so it's like Seth was saying it's going to change a lot it's and I think for the better I think it'll be obviously a lot different because we're always known that always been told that, you know, NCAA is, you know, it's amateur athletics, even though it's not, you know, making so much money, but it, it's definitely going to change the landscape of it. And I was actually listening to a radio show the other day where they were talking about why, why haven't these power five conferences broken off yet? Why haven't they just kind of honestly started their own league? Because they've just been carrying pretty much the NCAA, you know, those power five football teams and yep. basketball teams. Yep. Have you ever noticed, I, I think also a, a, an interesting point that I don't think a lot of people notice is that when you win, uh, and Asa, you were part of Vanderbilt's run to the World Series, yeah, man. and when they won, they got an NCAA tournament, uh, you know, NCAA championship plaque, I guess is the best way to put it, trophy slash plaque. You know, you win the you, you win the NCAA basketball tournament, you get the same thing, swimming, soccer, et cetera. But when you win... Um, when you win the football uh, championship, it's the college football playoff trophy. It's not the NCAA trophy. They're, they're not awarded that. And so they've already basically broken off when it comes from a football perspective. And like you said, I'm not sure why it hasn't gone further than that. Um, I'd assume it comes down to the presidents uh, of these institutions um, that, that don't want that. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's already broken off. And with the college football playoff not really being a part of the NCAA and why they still feel they need to adhere to the NCAA's rules is 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 still confusing to me. Even being in college athletics, we don't have football at St. Bonaventure, but, you know, it, it's still confusing to me and why they haven't uh, – why they're still a part of it and they still adhere to those rules. What do you, what yeah. do you guys think – because I th- like what you said – it, it can't be just because I know the NCAA is so reactionary and stuff like that. And I can see them, you know, amending this in a way where it's like they limit something where like you can only make a certain amount or something like that. Do you see them doing something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. instead of it just being almost like open season? Like, you know, you can make as much as you want. Do you, do you see them putting like a limit or a cap on any of this stuff? It's going to be interesting. I I think they already did come out and say that one of the caveats of it is that you cannot use the school's mascot or the school's logo or the conference logo or anything like that. That's that was something they already put out. They're still figuring out the details, but I think they're going to have to do something or they're going to have to. the, The problem with the NCAA is, is as soon as they can't control something they make it legal right um they've done it with a number of things as soon as they can't police it anymore then their their reaction is okay we we have to make it we have to make it um available to everybody right and because we're not catching all the people that are are doing everything 
and are skirting the rules a little bit. I think they're they're going to have to put limits. Uh, I could see them, you know, putting limits on staff size, uh, you know, because some people are going to try right now, you know, as long as as long as they don't have any interaction with the players, um, you know, you can have so many people working with video, as you know, with football at Vanderbilt behind the scenes yeah. um, that could be doing like the sponsorship thing. Um, I bet they're, they're going to put a limit on stuff like that to try to limit that. Um, I could see them putting a limit on yeah, how much you could possibly make, but to be honest, it, it's, it, it's a free market. Yeah. How can yeah. you, how can you do that? How right. can you say, well, you can make, you know, $150,000, but you're only allowed to make 75. Um, right. You know, it's, and then, so I don't know how they would possibly do that. I don't think they know either, to be quite honest. No, they definitely yeah. don't. What do you think this does? This isn't going to help recruiting. I feel like this is just going to make recruiting like even dirtier than it already is. You know, like there's going to be so many no. like under the table deals and so many yeah. weird people coming in and saying, I'll offer this guy oh. this much. And like, it's just going to get insane. The boosters are going to be busy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to be on the move for sure. Wade, the other, the Wade, other, Wade's definitely excited at LSU, though, if he's still there. No, he's not. <laughs> do you think, do you think, uh, no, he's not. That was his leg up. <laughs> do you think that this will even the playing field? Like, you know, obviously, if you're Alabama and they're six deep at running back, I mean, four of those guys are just going to transfer the next year, you know, and stuff like that. Do you think maybe some of these SEC schools maybe thin out their roster because they're not able to hold on to these guys as long? I'm interested to see like what kind of endorsement these guys are getting. If it's like local endorsements, there aren't many local places in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Whereas like maybe a place like a Vanderbilt that's in a bigger city in Nashville might have more of a leg up. You know what I mean? Because like I don't know, I don't know if it's more of gonna be like a nationwide sort of thing because a lot of these SEC schools are tiny, like or the cities are tiny. And so I wonder yeah. if it's like local businesses or if they're getting more of these endorsements from like a Nike or an Adidas or like you know what it's gonna what it's gonna look like. Pac-12 should benefit from this because they have great locations out there on the West Coast. Right, yeah. You know, those are they're all in big, big cities and great locations. Yeah. Like we said, some of these schools that might have not been great destinations before might start kind of climbing up and start really, you know, going up in the ranks with just, you know, a top destination just because of where they are and kind of what they can offer you endorsement wise and deal wise. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine UNLV? Ooh, that'd be great school. <laughs> what about Reno? Yeah. Hey, come on. Going on in Vegas, and uh, and and obviously someone, a school that's not been uh, well known lately. Um, but I think John Manziel. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. That uh, there's going to there could possibly be schools that really benefit from it uh, that maybe have not had the same track record as other schools before. But I think something else that's going to hurt schools even more is the is when you talk about sponsorships slash endorsements. Right now. Schools make a lot, a lot of money on sponsorships and local businesses. Right. Well, what about if a local business says, well, I'd rather put my money towards an actual player endorsing me rather than, you know, putting a sign up at a school or on the video board. And, you know, there's only so much to go around, like you said, in a lot of these, you know, small towns and small areas. Yep. And people always say in the SEC, why is the SEC so popular? Because a lot of the schools in the SEC don't have professional sports around them they don't yep. professional franchises 
Alabama doesn't have a professional team in the state of right. Alabama. Yep. That is their professional sports is Auburn and Alabama. So yeah. I think you could see a lot, of, you could see schools, especially not at the high, high level, because uh, they're getting the television contracts and uh, television money and, and, the, uh, and all of that. But at the mid-major level, if you're in a small town, you could definitely see this hurt, you know, some of the sponsorships on that end too, because some of that's going to go towards the kids now and not, not to the school. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be super interesting just to see all this plays out. You know, like you said, the NCAA always makes these things when they're forced to, and they were kind of back into a corner with this, you know, getting so much heat from all this stuff. So they had to do it. Uh, we'll see how it's regulated and how it kind of plays out. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this how this pans out when college sports do start up, which is hopefully sooner rather than later. But well, sweet. Hey, uh, is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we we might wrap this thing up? Um. Do we want to do the Bills quarterbacks, our favorite? We can do our favorite worst Bills quarterback of all time. We can do that. I know you were kind of excited about that, so I, I am. It's a great list. So Thad, your I don't know how many you want to go, how many deep, but who are your favorite worst Bills quarterback of all time? And then the flip side, your favorites. Okay, okay. Well, I'm just going to go over the top ten right now of this ranker. Okay, okay. <laughs> that Bills quarterback top ten this is, this is a brutal list. Okay. We got Jim Kelly one, Doug Flutie two, okay. Jack Kemp three. Joe Ferguson, four. Frank Reich, five. Ooh, that's low. Surprised by that. Yeah. Drew Bledsoe, six. Josh Allen, seven. Ty God, T-Mobile, eight. Ryan Fitzmagic, nine. We've got Daryl LaMonica, 10. Ranking out. And dude, Kyle, Kyle Orton, number 11. Just getting snubbed out of the Come top on. 10. He should have been up there. But uh, I'm going to go, because there's a lot of bad quarterbacks. Like we, we missed on so many guys oh, there yeah. and just some, some of these guys we brought in <laughs> that you forget that you forget about too. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite quarterback ever is Kelly Holcomb. That guy had a terrible arm. We <laughs> weren't going to win any games or anything. It, he had a terrible name too. Yeah. It's not so, good. Wasn't a huge fan of him, but number one all time. I don't know if you guys remember the game against the chiefs when Jeff tool actually started an NFL game. I really don't know if that, I mean, that talk about a guy that does not belong on an NFL field. That guy got one start and something like he's an NFL starting quarterback. So good for Jeff tool. He's my number one of all time. I don't know if anyone remembers him, but played awful against the chiefs, but he did play. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get more of an argument. I would, there's been so many, there's been so many, um, <laughs> I mean, names like Brian Brown, Nathan Peterman, EJ Manuel, JP Lossman, Rob Johnson, Trent Edwards, Matt Castle, like the list goes on and on. And like, there's so many, I think mine, if I had to pick like the worst, like the worst one that I could think of, it might have to be, it might have to be Nathan Peterman, unfortunately. I think he's a nice guy. That's too obvious. Come on. That's too obvious. You think? I, I, Asa, I'm not getting that. I was, I, I said, I know that you want to go back to look at some of the names that you've kind of forgotten about, yep. like the Browns and all those guys, yep. but Nathan Peterman and, and how they wanted him to do well, that like was they the worst tried part. to put him in a position. Yeah. They tried to put him in a position to win. I mean, you had the Kyle Orton's, but Nathan Peterman and the absolute implosion and just like a deer in headlights look that he had on the sidelines with what was going on. It was so was, bad. I, I don't, I think it was unmatched. So I, I, that I, I'm sorry, but I got to side with Ace on that one. Oh, that's, he was so, he was so bad. 
What was that? Who was the game that he had? I think he had like five picks in the first half and like yeah, four, all right, com- he had all like right. four completions and five picks. It was fantastic. And the worst part, like Seth said, is, is they wanted him to do well. Like they tried to put him in spots to be successful and he still was terrible. What about when we randomly just like signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to like four years, a four year deal after he was really mediocre just because we wanted a quarterback to be there. How about when when Thad really wanted EJ Manuel? Let's talk about that. Not in the first round. (laughs) He was my favorite quarterback. That was the worst quarterback draft ever. Geno Smith and EJ Manuel are the two top guys. I liked EJ Manuel as a prospect. Not that high. (laughs) You guys remember Alex Van Van Pelt? Oh, AVP. He was awesome. He's a quarterback for a while. He's great on the call, too. He's a great radio guy. Thad Lewis. I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of good ones. Yeah, Thad Lewis. Don't forget about Ty. Don't forget about Ty Collins. He was groomed. <laughs> TJ Ty Collins was groomed. TJ Yates was there. Yates Jeff Tool, Todd Collins, Thad Lewis, Matt Castle, Trent Edwards was, has to be an all-time too, because they gave him so Back many down. shots and he didn't throw it more than ten yards down the field, ever. I was telling yeah, I, earlier, we were watching uh, the rerun of the Monday night game when he started against the Cowboys. And it was kind of funny to listen to the commentary about, I think, you know, J.P. Lawson just went down. Edwards coming in, playing well. Third round pick out of Stanford. They think they really found something in him. You know, me, I'm just like thinking, nope, nope. that's wrong. <laughs> that's but, a hot but do take. Any of you, but do any of you have any of those guys autographed at, either at your home or in your office? Mm. Yeah, no, you have Fitzpatrick, don't you? He said, uh, "No, he, I don't have Fitzpatrick." You're a big fan of Fitzpatrick, I've got, though. I've got Matt Castle. I've got Matt Castle's autograph because when he was the Bills quarterback, he opened a local car dealership, and so oh, I got geez. his, uh, I got his autograph on a football, like a really nice NFL football. And then we just had Jim Kelly visit the Riley Center this past year, and I was trying to figure out a way since I had this nice football that obviously had Matt Castle's signature on it, that I could get Matt Castle's signature off so I could go get Jim Kelly's autograph. <laughs> How'd it turn out? Love that. Did, uh, not well. Oh, okay. Did you buy a car from Matt Castle? I did not buy no. a car from Matt Castle, <laughs> oh, okay. no. Hey, fun fact, I tell you, Matt... Nope, go ahead. It's not that. It's not that. He was pretty popular, though. Uh, we took some of our cheerleaders, and he was a very popular guy. I oh, will say nice. that. That's yeah. nice. Well, Good hey, guys, thank you so much for doing this tonight. Um, uh, that was fun to kind of walk through some of that stuff. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we, we wrap this thing up? Jeter's overrated. <laughs> oh, actually, I did yeah, want to I wanted to do one. MVPs from Jeter. I want to do one more thing. Because of, like, the whole last dance that's been airing, like, the last couple of weeks, and there's more episodes coming, there's six more to go. If you could pick one athlete to do, like, that type of documentary on, whether, whether it, you know, um, what athlete would you pick and why? Uh, Seth, you go first. No, don't do that to I'm me. Got, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. Uh, I'll go first. I said I would love to see, and it depends how deep they went, but I would love to see one on Tiger Woods mm-hmm. to go like the rise and like the fall and everything that went into that and then coming back up. I think that one would be super interesting just because there's been so many ups and downs and to see why he actually ran into the tree, how the wedge ended up in the windshield, I think would be super interesting. That would be, there'd be a lot of good details I, on that one. Right. I think part of the, the the difficulty with that is you have, is what makes some of these so good and with some of the footage is because uh, being allowed access to all that stuff too. 
Um, you know, like they said, this did come out for forever because Michael Jordan wouldn't sign off on it. Right. And, uh, well, I'm not saying they have the footage. I'm just saying like in a perfect world, if we had it, I would love to see it. If I, I would like this, I'll tell you what, I saw the, uh, uh, the ESPN mini documentary on Deion Sanders. Um, I would love to see on him. And I know something, you know, when you're talking about former players that you would love to see, uh, you know, be able to get endorsement money when they were in college. I think uh, primetime would be my number one pick for that. That yeah. would have been pretty uh, interesting with him at Florida State. Um, but I think another one that would be interesting for a uh, uh, for a documentary would be Mike Tyson. Oh, um, that's a good point. Yeah, and he, you know, you know, a little bit about his childhood with how he grew up and how some people, you know, how just physically gifted he was at such a young age and. You know, some of the things that he had to deal with, I think, would be would be pretty interesting and uh, kind of his rise and fall, because you have to remember when he was in his prime, you know, heavyweight boxing was it. You know, I remember I remember when I was growing up, you guys might not remember, but I remember dad, um, you know, whenever there was a heavyweight match matchup, somebody in the neighborhood would get it on pay-per-view and every guy in the neighborhood would go over and watch it. And that was something that everyone did. Right. You know, so when he was. When he was in his prime, that was that was the highlighted sport and, and spectacle. And uh, I think something on him would be really, really interesting. Yeah. All right, Thad, you've had plenty of time to think about it. What do you got? Uh, yeah, it's better not stop uh, now. No, uh, they kind of covered it. Like, I really like Ricky Williams and Michael Vick, and they kind of done both of those. Not that I really like them, but they're kind of intriguing athletes. Yeah. So, like, they've already done documentaries on them. I would kind of like to see one on Griffey, to be honest, him growing up with his dad being in the pros and just oh, kind yeah. of being in the limelight early. I just feel like there hasn't been a, like, I always love Griffey. And he's, again, we're talking about a guy that's just so cool. Like Michael yeah. Jordan, like Griffey's like the coolest guy of all time. And so that'd be, I feel like I've just never seen a lot of footage on him. Yeah. Um, that would be a cool one. I think you. And then if you start thinking about older athletes too, I don't know. There's so many guys back in the day that just be, they were so big that you just love to see some background footage on. Um, even basketball-wise, even some of those Duke years, stuff like that that was going on when they were kind of making those runs. Yeah. I don't really like Duke, but even Duke, like North Carolina, some of those runs would be fun, fun to kind of look back at. Yeah. How about uh, how about even how about even you don't like Duke, but how about even Coach K? Yeah. Um, I think people forget uh, how bad Duke was before he got he took there. over, and how how he made made it. A dynasty, yeah, and yeah, and something like that would be interesting. Didn't Griffey and his dad go back to back? I mean, how how insane is that to think about that he was in the same lineup as his dad? It's crazy, and they yeah. hit back to back home runs in a game. Or that catch he but, made, or that catch he made against the Twins to knock Billy Haywood out of the playoffs, huh? Or to make the playoffs, uh, that wild card game, oh, just cold blooded. Team was loaded. Yeah, we're loaded. Team was yeah. How cool was he in he that? How cool was he in that movie, though? He always seemed like a nice guy, but when he winked at him when he was going around the bases, and yep. you know the commentary where people take vacation Ooh. shorter than that, that, that was just uncalled for. <laughs> and then you bring in Randy Johnson in in the ninth, and that's just not fair. Unheard of. Six foot ten with a nasty slider. <laughs> I want to go watch that movie now, though. <laughs> Great, yeah. Griffey, Griffey was, I, I like that one, though, Thad. I, I, I'd be on board with seeing one about him, too. That'd be Griffey, pretty cool. Yeah, that's the kind of one I came to. Yeah. Be, I mean, that'd yeah, be fun. Yeah. Well, hey, we're just about out of time for tonight. Uh, but, guys, thank you so much for hopping on, and thanks for listening in. Um, again, that was episode number five, uh, sponsored by Wellness for Life. 
Um, again, if you want to sign up for a free personalized health assessment, email nancy at nancyrichjohnson at gmail.com. Uh, she'll get you all set up. Uh, and if you guys are not following us on social media, uh, hop on there. We are at brush underscore back. Uh, Seth is at SBU underscore marketing. I think that's changed. That used to be different. And then Thad is at a Thad Johnson 5. Um, and then as well, uh, hop on to brushback.wordpress.com to check out the articles and things that Thad has been putting up there. Uh, he works hard to kind of get all that stuff going. So uh, do us a favor, hop on there and check it out. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, great conversations. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Asa. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.